Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up? Welcome to the Beautifully Complicated Podcast. I'm your host, Sheena, and I just want to thank you for stopping by and tuning into the episode. We're going to kick it off with what's happening now segment discussing what it means to exist and live while black and how that has been criminalized by the U.S., Yep, talking about the latest incidents at Starbucks and Waffle House. In the self-care segment, it's time we find time to disconnect from social media and reconnect with our best selves and those we love. I'm giving you four tips on detoxifying and rejuvenating. In Black Excellence, I want to shine a beautiful light on Ida B. Wells Barnett in honor of the opening of the memorial first of its kind in Alabama on lynching. No friend host this week, so grab your tea and let's talk. Segment one, what's happening now? Hey, 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 welcome to the Beautifully Complicated Podcast. Glad you're tuning in. There is a lot to unpack on this episode, and I honestly had to take some time for myself to just process some of it because it was just so heavy. These past two weeks have been a doozy. So with that being said, I want to start it out a bit light, like always. Beachella. Since the last episode's recording, we have had to count them two performances by the queen herself, Beyonce at Coachella, aptly renamed Beachella for obvious reasons. She shut it down. Listen, I think I'm still on a high from watching the live stream from the comfort of my own home the first weekend of Coachella. Thanks, YouTube. Our number one performer and entertainer alive today, don't at me. I said what I said. She put on a show of all shows at Coachella 2018. After having to postpone her appearance last year due to her pregnancy with the twins, became and conquered the stage. First off, as a student of an HBCU, shout out Howard, it was so dope to see Beyonce basically doing an homage to HBCU and Greek culture from the band, which was ridiculous. Look, the dancers, the looks, oh my God, I stand for that yellow B Delta Kappa sweatshirt she had on night one, y'all. Yes, 
I said B Delta Kappa because that's basically what the sorority that she came as with the show as she tapped into black Greek culture and stepped like nobody's business. Each song, each dance, every part was purely epic. The drum line and major reds came and took me back to my college days. B put it down for a solid two hours without so much as a pause with a break. She flowed through that thanks to that wonderful 40-day vegan diet she went on. Sidebar, whole food plant-based veganism will do that for you, let me tell you. Anyway, back to Beachella. She brought out her girls, the lovely Kelly Rowland and Michelle Williams, giving us a glimpse back into the past with a six-minute Destiny's Child performance. Those ladies came through with it in their camouflage Balmain week one and silver numbers also bought Balmain in week two. Solange came out and gave us a sisterly dance with B for Get Me Bodied. Oh, it was so cute. Jay came through and dropped a few bars on Deja Vu. She did opera, sang the Black National Anthem, which is Lift Every Voice and Sing, and had dancers dance beautifully to Nina Simone. Beyonce gave the performance of a lifetime. I'm sure she'll find a way to top it, but I honestly don't know what she can do to do that. There will never be another show like Beachella. Well, while B was giving us all of the life as she showcased the beauty and boldness of black culture, a few racially charged incidents the past couple of weeks reminded us that our very being as black people is still problematic for some people. There were several incidents that have happened that have had that really made us all remember that in this country, we are still seen as criminals, a threat or lesser than our very existence is apparently an inconvenience to some here in America. The United States of America has a real racism problem, period. Until the country gets honest with itself and comes to terms with it, we will remain a country divided, unfortunately. America can be better. We have the opportunity to be great, to live up to our ideals. But in order to do that, America has to first be honest. The people have to be honest, self-reflective. Scratch that. White people have to be honest about the history of racism in this country and current institutions that safeguard those beliefs. That's just the raw, honest truth. There are some white people who recognize that and are working to learn more about how to be better to those around them who are impacted by the racism in America. I celebrate them and thank them for using their privilege that they have gain from just the color of their skin for standing up for other people and saying everyone should be equal and have protections in this country. But then we have those who choose to pretend it doesn't exist and that we all just making it up to be eternal victims. Seriously, like it bothers me every time I hear someone say, I don't see color. It's like, yeah, so you don't see me because the color of my skin actually has played a part in the character I have I have now it has played a part in the personality that I have been shaped with because it's my experiences that I have had because of the color of my skin that has reinforced who I am as a person so you can't say you don't see the color of my skin and still say you see me that's not possible but who wants to go around taunting how hated they are nobody 
We all just want to live and get an opportunity to experience life fully without anxiety of what may happen because someone else preconceived notions about who we are. (sighs) Enough of my diatribe on that. I want to recap some events that went down over the past few weeks and give some thought and insight as to where it stems from and how things need to change going forward. So Starbucks. So I know y'all heard the news, saw the hashtag boycott Starbucks trending, probably even tweeted or Facebook about it regarding the two black men who were arrested in Starbucks in Philly two weeks ago. Basically, they walked into the Starbucks where they were uh, meeting a man about a potential business deal. Things you do at a local coffee shop like, say, Starbucks. They asked the barista for the restroom code while they waited. They were denied the code. And within two minutes, the police were called on them. Two minutes. I said two minutes. One, two. The police show up. By the way, they had no idea that the police were called on them. So the police show up, they look up and we're like, they couldn't be here for us, right? Police officers walk over to them, moving furniture and tables around, obviously expecting a scene and literally arrested the men. So the patrons at Starbucks bucked up. Good for you, by the way, for using your privilege. That is how it's done true allies they asked the officers why are they arresting them noting that they did nothing wrong and some of them have been sitting there without ordering anything yet as well a white woman recorded the scene and posted it to her twitter because she was disturbed by what just happened two men were basically arrested for being in a starbucks while black 23-year-old Dante Robinson and Rashawn Nelson were arrested at a Starbucks in Philly on April 12th for trespassing. Starbucks manager called the police to have them removed from the store because they did not order anything when they first walked in. This story is seriously, it's absolutely disgusting and of course have sparked immense outrage while more and more people are now starting to understand just what life is like for a black person in America. Now, do we all get arrested for walking into a store? No, but we get followed around. We get asked if we need help over and over again. Eyes follow us the entire time we're in there. We are assumed to be criminals from the moment we enter the door by some people who work at the establishment. We're not given the opportunity to shop or sit without prejudice being unduly projected onto us. The treatment and arrest of Robinson and Nelson at Starbucks was not completely out of the realm of possibility for black people. We can see how it could happen, even though it makes no sense logically. Why would they be arrested for sitting in a Starbucks waiting for someone? I mean, honestly, they wanted to, you know, they wanted to probably just chat ahead of their meeting instead of waiting for a grande blonde caramel macchiato to be made. When you have a business meeting, you like to prep, get your game face on, make sure you're on point, get focused. Ordering coffee is the last thing on your mind, even if you're in a coffee shop. Not to mention you want to wait for who you're meeting before you order so you all can order together and chat casually. I mean, it's the polite thing to do. A little business etiquette. But for the manager and a certain barista at Starbucks, it was a reason to call the police. 
who cares that there are documented circumstances or instances of when the cops are called on black people and it ends up with that black person hurt or dead. Obviously, they didn't think that would be the case or maybe they just didn't care. I really don't know. All I know is they wanted these two guys out of their store because they were black in a Starbucks. The outrage was warranted. Boycott Starbucks was trending. A lot of us was tweeting Starbucks asking what was their plan to mitigate this issue. People were protesting in front of the store in question. Starbucks issued a pathetic initial statement. None of us cared for it. It was rushed and not thought out at all. It was put it was a just, you know, put something out there so that they can stop type of statement. We demanded more. So Starbucks responded better. The CEO of Starbucks, Kevin Johnson, issued a statement that said in part that they apologized for what happened to the two men at their store. They would do some training for their team members that would be built by a few notable organizations um, like the Legal Defense Forum with the support of Sherilyn Eiffel and political figures like Eric Holder. Okay, not bad. They said that they would close down their stores nationwide for a few hours at the end of May to complete the training. They've since provided additional information about the training. The CEO has met with the two men and apologized in person for their actions of his team members. The manager in question apparently left the company or at least that location. It's kind of unclear. You know, some stuff has been happening and is in the works. Not bad Starbucks, but Starbucks was the only one with this situation. So my next question about that was, why did the police officers come into the store moving furniture as if they were expecting and waiting for a whole scene to jump off and arrest these men for something so menial? Why not just ask them to leave the store? Why assume the worst of them when walking in? Why hold them at the precinct for, I believe it was nine hours. Why not listen when the business associate they were meeting walked in and asked what was going on and telling you that he was the one they were waiting for corroborating their story. Honestly, it doesn't even matter though. I mean, why did the police do all these things that they did further exacerbating a situation? The police chief came out in initial support of the actions of their officers. Of course, that's what they always do. Then only after the CEO of Starbucks came and met with the men did the chief decide to walk back his statement and state that their actions may not have been the right thing to do. You think? I am honestly very tired. Very tired of black people being in a public space and being deemed an automatic threat by their very weak and simple-minded people. Ingrained stereotypes have fatal consequences in this country. It is as if some people are just operating on autopilot and refuse to just stop and think about what they are doing or question why they feel the way they do. What made this manager think that she needed to call the police because two men were in the store waiting for someone before ordering coffee and one asked to use the restroom? Why the following? Why the feeling that they posed a threat? Why did the cops walk in assuming a scene would happen and prep for that instead of approaching the situation like the nonsense it was? Why is it so hard to just enjoy life and do simple things as a black person without someone assuming you're up to no good? This is a lesson for America. We have come a long way, but we have so much farther to go. We are nowhere near where we should be. 
racism is ingrained in the culture here. The stereotypes run so deep within people that they don't even know to question what they are feeling or thinking about someone. This isn't a Starbucks issue. It's a systemic issue. It's a societal issue. It's a cultural issue. It's historical. This blood runs deep. Dante Robinson and Rashawn Nelson deserve more than an apology. They were inconvenienced by the prejudices of someone who chose to criminalize them without provocation. They deserve more. Starbucks should have written them a check, honestly, to invest in whatever business venture uh, their employee disrupted by calling the police on them and stealing nine hours of their lives away. We as a black people in this country deserve to live in a nation that sees us as co-citizens instead of a threat to the way of life for some people. A lot of us have very deep roots here. Our ancestors built this nation through chattel slavery. We are Americans because they invested by force for us to be. We deserve to be respected treated equally and given opportunities just like everyone else. We are Americans too. This is why we ask for America to do better, be better, because we believe it can be. But of course, we have some people here who choose not to see our humanity or to welcome us in this country our ancestors built. So this past Sunday at a Waffle House in Tennessee, four black people were murdered by a white supremacist whose name isn't worth uttering and I will not have on this show. Murdered with an AR-15. More lives would have been lost had it not been for the heroic acts of 29-year-old James Shaw Jr. who wrestled the gun from the terrorist and tossed it over the counter resulting in the murderer fleeing and being on the lam for 35 hours before coming in unharmed for arrest. James Shaw Jr. is a true hero. He has since taken up a GoFundMe to raise money for the families of the four people whose lives were stolen away from them at the Waffle House. Thank God for people like him. I pray and wish him nothing but the best. I really, really do. So the guy that murdered the innocent people at the Waffle House was apparently on the radar of the federal government just a year ago when he tried to have a meeting with Trump and got a little too close to the gates at the White House. His guns were taken from him. And later returned to his father, who turned around and gave them back to his ridiculously nut job son. His son decides to later murder people at a Waffle House. He and his father need to be in prison right on the side of each other. His dad shouldn't have given him those guns back. And so he should be charged as an accessory to the crime, in my opinion. I'm just saying he played a part anyway. Y'all lame president haven't said a thing about this terroristic act, not a single thing. He haven't said anything about James Shaw, the hero who tackled the bad guy with the gun without having a gun himself saying saving more lives. I mean, he ain't tweeted not a single word, retweeted a story, nothing, nothing. That's all we need to know about Donald Trump and his thoughts on black people. Now, mind you, he tweeted about the church killing in Texas and one guy possibly shooting at the gunman in that situation. But he was a white man with a gun. This is a black guy without a gun stopping a white man with a gun from killing more black people. So there you go. Trump doesn't feel the need to insert himself in a story that doesn't hit on any of his normal dog whistles and racist or xenophobic nonsense. Hate kills. 
This is just another example of that. When you have a president who flames the fires of hatred and white supremacy, you get more acts like this. Since he has been elected, hate crimes by white supremacists have increased. It's not a coincidence. It's a feature. It's something that needs to be rooted out of this country, too. We have plenty of good people, more than we have of these hateful fools. We have to rise up. Our white counterparts have to speak up. We have to fight back and show that we will not allow them to win. Trump and his white supremacist supporters will not win. Love will win. Anyway, so rest well in heaven to the four souls lost at Waffle House, Torian Sanderlin, Joe Perez, Diebony Groves, and Aquila De Silva. Your lives absolutely mattered. I know you made a great impact on this planet while you were here, and your spirits will continue to touch the lives of many now that you have transcended to a better place. I pray for their families and friends who love them dearly. I recognize that words can't comfort, but I pray that the spirit of God gives them the comfort they need at such a tough time. Much love to all of you. This week, we had yet another incident at a Waffle House, this time in Alabama. Chakesia Clemens was patronizing a Waffle House with a friend when she had a bit of a disagreement with one of the members of the wait staff. Now, there are conflicting reports on what happened. Either she requested plastic flatware and was subsequently told it'd be an extra 50 cents. And from that, she said that, hey, the night before, I didn't have to pay. What's Why do I have to pay now? And she asked for a number to corporate or there's a second story of the Waffle House staff um, saying that her and her friend were drinking alcohol or or drunk or something when they came in and they were told they couldn't bring in alcohol and there was an altercation there I don't know have no idea what's the story nor do I care I'm more upset that she was treated the way she was she was by the staff and the police were called on her. I am even more upset the police came in and literally assaulted her, snatching her to the ground and exposing her in the public without a second thought. I am pissed off that she would be handled in such a way and not given the opportunity to state her side of the story or be treated with just basic human decency honestly it's ridiculous black women are so often treated like lesser than by some people in law enforcement it reminds me of the 14 year old girl being wrestled to the ground and sat on in a bikini in texas like come on it reminds me of chandra bland being attacked by an officer for a traffic stop seriously why are we automatically assumed to be a threat that has to be neutralized instead of our humanity seen It's ridiculous. What really had my gears grinding, though, was the lack of effort by some black men to step up and fight for this black woman being treated in such a horrible manner by police. Online, there were some tweets by some black men that were basically stating that she should have been quiet or she probably got what she deserved rightfully. These are those minority of black men they are not in the majority majority of black men absolutely are down for the women but these are the minority that tend to see black women in a lesser light and refuse to fight for them they often see black women as someone who uh, should bow down to them and all forms of authority and only step up when it's time to fight for the black man it's pathetic it's lazy it's just plain ashy we can't have that 
Seriously, how are we supposed to rise up as a people if we choose to attack each other and refuse to fight for one another? You want me to fight for you, but you see no reason to fight for me. It's the same men who pipe up and protect R. Kelly as a victim instead of a serial rapist and known pedophile. Let's not forget he was attracted to and married to 15-year-old Aaliyah. Just saying. Obviously, it isn't all black men that feel this way. The majority, and I so thank you guys for your love. They completely support black women and we support them. But there are those few who are loud and proud who find reason to attack black women, even when they are the victim of state violence. It's pretty sad. There has been some outrage about Trakezia Clemente Waffle House. There needs to be more. There should be more. There hasn't been. But there should be. We should be boycotting Waffle House, who issued a horrible statement saying, in part, that they support the actions of their staff and the police officers. Because the corporate folks at Walmart care little about the action that took place at one of their establishments against a black woman, we absolutely should choose to not patronize such a place. Even if she was piping up about whatever, she has a right to do that. And there are better actions that could have been taken to address it that didn't involve her being arrested with such force by the Saraland Police Department. I think this is a moment where we are reminded of the words of Malcolm X that still ring true today. These words right here. Disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. We must be vigilant in using our voices and our money to push for social change in America. We have just as much right to be respected as anyone else. We have to leverage the power we have to force the hand of those who choose to not see that until they see it. Our work continues and let's just be real. It's exhausting. Speaking of exhausting, Kanye, listen. So Kanye returned to Twitter this past week and had a slew of posts about all types of stuff. People were, of course, happy to see him back after he took a year off from the platform to focus on himself and his work. Fine. But things took an odd turn earlier this week when he posted that he liked how a very far right black commentator, Candace Owens, thinks Now, Owens is relatively unknown by black folks and, well, most people in America because she's from the fringe, right? She basically believes that all black people, aside from those with her viewpoints, are sheep and don't think for themselves and see themselves as eternal victims. Oh, and that, of course, racism isn't real. It's all in our heads. Mm -hmm. Okay, people had a side eye for Kanye for that one. But then he took it one step further on Wednesday. He decided to let it be known that he likes Trump and his team MAGA, Make America Great Again, tweeting a picture of his signed red MAGA hat in a pic with Eric Teal and some other guy. Then he basically said that black people aren't free thinkers and are just following whatever they're told. Oh, and of course, went ahead and said President Obama never did anything for Chicago. Jesus be a whole light. Now, of course, many celebs in and out of hip hop responded with some uh, some in amazement um, of what was said. Others recognizing that there are some who don't have the privilege to have such an optimistic view of the world. Thank you, John Legend, for that tweet thread. Uh, It was great. But Chance the Rapper decides to take it another way by stating that all black people don't have to be Democrats. Um, Of course not chance that wasn't the issue people that wasn't the 
what part of the statement that people had an issue with. No, no one is upset that Kanye may be a Republican, although he said he isn't. It isn't about that. Republicans are in, are not inherently bad people. They just have more conservative policy ideas. Whatever. I have no problem with that. Rational people have no problem with that. The issue and disgust came from Kanye backing Trump, a known racist, xenophobic man that is hell bent on tearing apart families with his immigration policy, harming black communities with his actions on the social systems and a mask incarceration, stating the need for the feds to occupy Chicago because of the violence, banning a whole religion and tweeting out horrible false videos about them, siding with white supremacists in Charlottesville, creating the birther movement against President Obama to to delegitimize the first black presidency, literally leading the charge for the wrongful incarceration of the Central Park Five. Like this dude has a history of being racist and disgusting. Let's not even get into the numerous sexual assault allegations against him. But you like his style. Okay. Siding with the racist. Hmm. It's the same guy that said George Bush don't care about black people. This guy is siding with someone blatantly having no regard for no one but himself. That's what pisses people off. Which Kanye are you? Or are you neither? Are you just an opportunist looking to create press for yourself so you can get people on board with your next project? I'm guessing that's what it is. Even with that, to side with a racist is beyond disgusting and the most pathetic PR move. It's a no for me on Kanye for here on out. I was a fan of his music, but his attitude, obvious narcissism and attack on black people is seriously beyond repair. I'm going to leave that right there. I'm trying to keep this episode at a reasonable time frame for you guys. Segment two, self-care. These past two weeks have been an absolute doozy on social media. And because of that, I feel led to take this episode to talk about how we can disconnect and take care of ourselves by being with ourselves and our families and friends. To be honest, after this week alone, we need to uh, put Twitter in rice because it was an absolute train wreck. We all need a break from social media to get ourselves together, work through whatever anxiety or depression that was induced and get back focused on finding and living in happiness. Social media can be toxic. It has a lot of good things and good people on it sharing thoughts and ideas, but there are also some people on there whose whole intentions is to inflict psychological and social harm on others. Not to mention there is a constant news cycle on there that seems to fuel stories that are just very heavy and tough to deal with. So with that being said, we can find ourselves becoming attached to the platforms of Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram and seeing a change in our social or psychological well-being. So it's time for a social media detox. It's time for a digital detox. This is as much for me as it is for you because I too have found myself going down a rabbit hole and being sucked into the black abyss that is social media hell complete with endless scrolling. It has not been good for my well-being though and I see that and when I do see it, I take the I usually just try to take a break from it. I want to encourage you to do the same and put some boundaries in place to protect yourself. This will be a quick one because it really doesn't make take very much to log off, protect and live your best life. So here are four tips on detoxing from social media and, you know, digital um, tools and taking back your life in a healthy way. Number one, use tech to your advantage. There are several apps that help you deal with social media addiction 
and it kicked the very real habit. Uh, there's an app called Moment that allows you to set daily limits on social media apps. Freedom is another app that helps you actively block other apps when you want. You may be tempted to peek in. There's Grayscale, which is not an app, but a feature on your phone where you can change your display to shades of gray, limiting your desire to look at the colorful social media apps and honestly breaking your phone addiction. I do this one often from time to time and I realize I'm spending way too much time on my phone. By going Grayscale, I've always been able to cut back on my time on my phone, which is always great. Number two, create a no phone zone. We all spend most of our time on our phones or tablets, accessing social media more than on our computers. So it's time that we create a no phone or no screen zone in our homes and give ourselves an opportunity to be free of not only social media, but all things that plague us and take us to places mentally that we don't need to go, like emails and news sites. The first hour of the day and the last hour of the day, if you can do it, should be in your no phone zone easiest choice is your bedroom where you can pick up something else like writing or journaling, reading, maybe doing a little arts, meditation, prayer, whatever works for you. This is the perfect time to decompress and escape into a blissful state. Number three, reconnect with people. We spend so much time with our faces behind a screen. For some of us, that is on social media, reading emails, looking at the latest news or whatever. We need to put the screens down and connect with people we love. Instead of using social media as the main tool of communication, call folks, meet them for lunch, have a running meetup with your active girlfriends or guy friends. Seriously, get out and enjoy life with great company. Social media is doing nothing more than giving us anxiety or making us long for the life that we can start building if we logged off. Obviously, it isn't as easy as that, but we can start to move in that direction with small steps and simple communication. Number four, reconnect with yourself. Yes, you reconnect with you. Spend time with you doing what you love. That is the true definition of self-care, right? Taking care of and loving on you. It could be a spa day. It could be quiet time at home with a good book, perhaps a long walk in a park with your dog. Whatever it is that brings you closer to you, do it. You'll feel so much better for it. Number five, bonus, of course, get productive. You know, there are things you were supposed to be doing when you were going down the Twitter rabbit hole. Identify those things, create a list and start knocking them off one by one. You'll feel better and less stressed or anxious. You finally will notice you have a lot more time than you thought you had that can be used to do some important things that you've been wanting or needing to do. So kick yourself off of social media and get productive. Well, those are my four plus a bonus tips on doing a true digital detox and detaching from social media. We've had a lot happen over the last week or so with so much of it breaking online. Let's take a moment and recalibrate ourselves by taking some time away from social media and finding a space of peace. And when you're on social media, feel free to mute words, names, or topics that may be a bit much for you to handle at times. You can always unmute when you're ready. But don't be afraid to take care of you and your well-being. You're no good to yourself or anyone else otherwise. So what do we need to do? Use tech to our advantage. Create a no phone zone. Reconnect with people we love. Reconnect with ourselves and get productive. Let's do it in care of ourselves, people. Segment three, black excellence. 
with the opening on April 26th of the National Memorial for Peace and Justice in the Legacy Museum from Enslavement to Mass Incarceration in Montgomery, Alabama, an homage to the victims of lynching throughout America from the 1800s through the 1900s, I thought it'd be fitting to honor one woman who took up the mantle in documenting lynchings during the Jim Crow era, Ida B. Wells Barnett. Ida B. Wells was born in July 1862 into slavery, uh, you know, uh, before the issuance of the Emancipation Proclamation by President Abraham Lincoln. Following slavery, her father, James Wells, studied briefly at Shaw University before dropping out to help his family and spending his time fighting for the advancement of black people and running for political office during Reconstruction. So Ida Obviously influenced by the works of her parents, she went on also to attend Shaw as well before being uh, kicked out due to disciplinary actions, unfortunately. Now, this is not the Shaw University of today. This is a different Shaw University. Losing her parents shortly after that to yellow fever, Miss Wells took custody of her younger siblings and became a teacher at the young age of 16 to help support her family. She ended up moving to Memphis, Tennessee to teach and attend Fisk University. It is the same fix, Fisk, in the summer months to further advance her education. So this is why HBCUs are so important, people. It was at this time she began to gain attention for being outspoken about the plight of women, black women specifically. It was the treatment of being dragged off of a rail car, though, after refusing orders to move to another car that resulted in Miss Wells obtaining even more fame. She wrote about her experience and injustice in a black newspaper called The Living Way. She sued the rail line, which she won at the local circuit court, but was appealed to the Supreme Court, where the earlier decision was, of course, reversed. The result of this case prompted her to truly see the injustices that face black people in America and for her to state the following words, quote, I feel so disappointed because I had such I had hoped such great things for my suit for my people. Oh, God, is there no justice in this land for us? End quote. It was this moment that transcended her from a local voice against injustice to a national voice. Ida B. Wells began a write for the D.C.-based Evening Star, and she became the co-owner of Free Speech and Headlight Publication. She used her pen to leverage attacks against the racial injustices that had ran rampant in America. She was fed up. It was her pain of losing a friend to lynching that birthed her passion to begin documenting and spotlighting lynchings across America. Ida B. Wells gave a new voice to a horrible act that was happening. She did away with the politeness and low-balling attitude of white publications and journalists and spoke truth to the horrors of the acts committed on black bodies across the country and the lack of injustice for those murdered. This was the start of her investigative journalist career. Publishing Southern Horrors, Lynch Law on All Its Phases, Ida B. Wells gave voice to the voiceless and put a spotlight on the disgusting act of lynching. She tackled the much-used excuse of black men raping women as the reason for most lynchings, but noting that most of the relationships between black men and white women were, in fact, consensual. It was the image that racist white people had created to make black men as monsters and non-human and thus excusing, uh, accusing, excusing the acts of the lynching. It was that ideal that Ida challenged rightfully in her works. She followed up her pamphlet with many editorials and the red record tabulated statistics and alleged causes of lynching in the United States, which is a book documenting acts of lynching across America. 
Ida B. Wells Barnett was a true force. She co-founded the NAACP, although was not accredited as such because of the constant conflicts with one of her co-founders, W.E.B. Du Bois. She also founded women's clubs and organizations to help with the advancement of black women. She recognized that injustices could only be toppled by doing the work, both exposing those injustices outright and making the effort to turn it around by providing opportunities to those oppressed. The woman was bad. Since we have the opening of the museums that are taking us back to the days when black bodies were lynched without recourse, I had to make sure I honored a powerful woman who did the early work in documenting a lot of those acts. Ida B. Wells Burnett is definitely a woman I look up to, and I hope after learning a little about her in this segment that you do too. Thank you, Ms. Wells Burnett, for showing up. Well, folks, that's the show. Thanks for tuning in to the Beautifully Complicated Podcast. It was a heavy one for sure, but necessary. We are beautiful humans, all of us, and we deserve to exist and live with the dignity of humanity extended to us, equality given and love shown. We sometimes have to, de- have to demand and remind people of that, which is pretty unfortunate, but I believe that one day, We will conquer this thing and see the true beauty of humanity manifest here and abroad. Let's keep supporting and loving on one another, lifting each other up in prayer, extending help when needed and open arms when possible. I choose to be hopeful even when it's tough at times for me to do so. With all that has happened from the two minute Starbucks being maligned and arrested while waiting for a meeting to a young woman being arrested and body exposed for asking questions and asserting herself and four of our brothers and sisters being murdered while enjoying a meal, we recognize that our mere existence is seen as a threat to some and an inconvenience to others. I recognize that these events did not happen in a vacuum. Not one was a bug. Each one of them was a feature. But I want to believe that if we keep sharing our stories and pushing for change, we will get enough people to see our humanity and help us achieve the basic humanity we deserve. And we also have every right to just live and exist. We will continue our work in that area and being unapologetic about living our lives. Let's take care of ourselves at times by logging off of social media and giving ourselves a break from the constant barrage of heavy material. We deserve that. It's important. I know I will. Walk through and review the five tips I have you. I have given you <clears throat> the four and a bonus on disconnecting with social media and reconnecting with yourself. With that being said, I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to honor the life and legacy of Ida B. Wells Barnett. She was a truly amazing woman who was unafraid to live and walk in her truth while fighting for what she believed in and educating others along the way with the platform she had. She was truly black excellence personified. If you haven't already, make sure you like the Beautifully Complicated podcast page on Facebook. The link is in the show notes. Follow me, Sheena, your host, on Instagram and Twitter at SheenaD1. Like the show, rate, subscribe, and share with family and friends. Make sure you continue the conversation from the show on our page or with those around you. I look forward to hearing from you guys. Stay connected, stay fabulous, and always remember that the best life is beautifully complicated. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.